Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. It's Thierry already! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the bottom bar! Back to Arsenal! That's an Arsenal! Yes! Get in there! Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast, episode number 25, with Alexander Moneypenny and my good friend, Bradley Adams. <laughs> uh, okay. For a nil-nil... Very exciting game. Brad and I have not said a word to each other, so this is pure off-the-dome instant reaction. The best kind of analysis. For a nil-nil... It was a very good game. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> I mean, there, I would. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about about the game, but I mean, if you're Leeds, you're coming away feeling very, almost like disheartened that you've not taken three points tonight. We are unbelievably lucky not to have conceded. I think they hit the woodwork either three or four times in the in this that sort of second half period. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredible. Okay. Uh, right. So let's. <laughs> my 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 head is all over the place. Okay. Nil nil. Arsenal uh, at Ireland Road. Um, we've literally just uh, we, we've started recording sort of twenty minutes after the game's finished. Um, Arsenal played most of the game with ten men. Nicholas Pepe sent off in the fifty-first minute. Um, Brad, petulance. I, yeah. I, 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 let's start with the lineup. I think we were all looking for changes. And we were all looking for um, a reaction. We, we've, we had the 3-0 at Villa as our last game. We had the international break. And I, I was expecting a meltdown on Twitter at sort of 3.30 in the afternoon. But actually, Willock got a chance. Um, Pepe played, um, which people were asking for. Aubameyang looked like he was going to be used down the middle. And when we set up and when we sort of started out, um, I tweeted something out, something like, uh, it's a very simple setup. And I, and, I, and I stand by that. It looked very simple. We looked like we were just going to take the game to Leeds. Leeds love 1v1s. If you watch, there's a brilliant moment in, with a corner in the second half where Bellerin decided to, to drop back and the player just stalked him out. It was really quite comical. They love 1v1s. Um, and we looked as though we were just going very simply. We were going to match, match them up on, on those 1v1s. And I thought, that sort of game plan was going to work. In the first sort of opening passage, um, we looked pretty comfortable. We were doing some nice bursts. I thought Willian actually played pretty well in that first sort of opening 20 minutes. Um, yes, but, yeah, but shouldn't, we- shouldn't shouldn't have started. Shouldn't have started. Nelson should have started. I'm sorry, but again, like, it's the man fucked off to Dubai during a national lockdown and an international break. Now, look, we should be playing into, like, I know it's, it's, it's difficult to say because obviously you've got players going out on international football. But unless you 
are needed for your country. I don't think we should be playing international friendlies or fucking nation league or whatever that shite trophy is. We should not be playing those matches anyway. So when this player fucks off and does that, that is disrespectful. And I I tweeted out that it is no wonder, because I saw your tweet about Pepe looking disinterested. It is no wonder that Pepe is disinterested when he's just gotten one of his first starts in the league and a man on the opposite wing is still getting started in the league who hasn't contributed anything since the first day, who's fucked off against COVID regulations to another country and who generally has just slowed the play down constantly. I actually thought William did pretty well today. Um, I, I'd agree. But he, no, but I, whether whether he went, whether he played well or not, he shouldn't have started. It's it's a point of principle. Arteta portrays himself to be this very principled man who is all about discipline and all about respect. And it hurts him when his players don't get to play. Bearing in mind, this is a little stat for you. Meza Ozil is our second most creative player in the Premier League since the start of last season, having only played 18 games. I'll bring up the stats. I'll literally bring up the stats. I screenshotted it from fucking Twitter. All right. So our most is Nicolas Pepe, 38 games, 41 chances created. Then it's Meza Ozil, 18 games, 38 chances created. It's the way that this club is being managed and being handled is embarrassing. Ultimately, he's picked a team. It's been, Mikel mentioned in the week, it's been set up, it's been dealt with internally, right? Ultimately, he's picking the team to go out there and do a job, right? He's picking a team that that he wants to go out there and play well, okay? And in those opening minutes, I agree, Willian is, is, um, I would have dropped him, personally. I would have started with Reese and Pepe. Um, but, I, I, for me, he justified his, his, him being picked. So I understand your argument, but mm-hmm. he did just, for me, he justified being picked. But he didn't justify himself, him being picked over his issues off the pitch. This is the issue. We've sent Gwenduzi out on loan. But he played well. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Of course it matters. was one of our it's best players. Match. No, 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 no. Gwenduzi is one of our, was one of our best ball carriers. One of the things that we are missing currently in our midfield and we fucked him off to Hertha Berlin because he has a poor attitude. Tell me how what he did in Dubai and getting drunk is any different to during COVID lockdown regulations fucking off to Dubai and having a holiday. It's no different. It is, I'm not, it's, I'm not defending it's, that. No, but this is what I mean is it doesn't matter whether he played well because he shouldn't have started to begin with. He should have been dropped as a matter of principle. We have been fed this line, right? That Arteta is a man of principle, that he does things because he believes in hard work and believes in respect and believes in all of these things, right? But then he will do things that do not align with that when it suits him. Don't portray something that you're not. William shouldn't, whether he, whether he scores a hat-trick tonight or not, my opinion does not change that on the basis of what he did, he shouldn't have been in the starting lineup. If he scored a hat-trick tonight, I'd obviously have been happy about it, but we'd still be having the conversation right now where I would say to you, he kind of, he shouldn't have been on the pitch. He should not have started. If you're Reese Nelson, right, you're getting your head down, you're knuckling down in training, you're working hard, and then man fucks off to Dubai and comes back and is still starting over you. That is the highest level of disrespect when you're portraying yourself to be this, oh, if people work hard for me, you'll get your opportunities. It just, it's bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. I- I do understand that argument, and, and and actually, I don't disagree with it. I just think he did justify him being picked. Um, 
for me enough maybe well maybe not enough to allay those questions but ultimately at least he did well when he was on i thought william did pretty well but i mean it's not it's not really a hill i want to die on so we'll we'll kind of move on from that was there anything else in the in the warm up in the warm up in the lineup that you particularly that stuck out to you before we sort of get into the game um i saw uh holding and gabriel partnership worried me a little uh, but i thought you know gabriel played well and i thought holding was okay I just I think it's telling that we've got nine centre backs on the book and I still think we need another one. Um I think obviously David Louise is out because he's just had a baby. And I think if he had well, his wife had a baby. Quite well, hard. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um I think we would have seen him and Gabrielle, which again, I don't think I would have minded as much, but uh, if I'm honest, the lineup is was the last of is the last of my thoughts right now. I think as long as we like, yeah, I, I think one I thing think, I did I think... see though is in Arteta's pre-match, him saying that Aubameyang's natural position is off the left is fucking bullshit. He's right-footed. He's literally like, okay, I'll come back to that. It's fucking bullshit. I'll come back to that. <laughs> He's a <laughs> okay. I, I I do think the lineup's important to talk about though because it is an indication of the the. The, the method, the, the, and, well, yeah. the setup, or certainly the the person. It's 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 a message to 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 players. And Willock getting a game, um, playing in the role that I know I understand he played a central attacking midfield role, but he was picking up the positions of Lacazette. It sends a message that Lacazette, and that was not a game for Lacazette. Lacazette would have been lost. The intensity of Leeds was in, was incredible. Um, before we kind of yeah jump into the game, then I mean I don't really want to go over this old argument again. But I do, I mean, I understand Arteta's position on the Aubameyang thing, because if you look at the numbers, the numbers bear out that on the left, he is more effective. No, 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 no. Okay, so the numbers for Arsenal bear out, the numbers for Arsenal bear out, but the numbers across his career, like if you look at his career as a whole, he has been his most productive when through the middle. His highest goal scoring seasons at Dortmund when he was beating players like Robert Lewandowski to... to, um, whatever their version of a golden boot is out there was through the middle with creative wingers. So I understand that obviously in the current system that we've been playing with Aubameyang on the left, fair enough, it bears out at the moment, but we have never given him a run of games through the middle, a consistent run of games with creative wingers either side. Today was difficult because realistically you want Saka over Willian on that left and Pepe on the right. And then you get a bit more creativity and you get like when Saka came on, he was the best player on the pitch. He absolutely worked his socks off and and died for us tonight. He was brilliant. But obviously after playing three games for England, you know, Southgate's run him into the ground a little bit, the wanker. But we just haven't it's like what we'll do is we'll play Aubameyang for six games on the wing and he'll he'll score three goals and then we'll play him once through the middle and he won't score and and it'll be like oh we'll stick him back out on the wing like no you have to change the way that it plays at the moment we're playing Aubameyang through the middle right but we're not changing anything other than we're still overloading that left we're not doing anything differently we're just expecting him to just randomly be. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. I know the numbers for Arsenal bear out through the middle, but it is fraudulent. It is, fr- it is absolute bullshit to say that he is a left-sided player. He's right-footed. His most uh, productive seasons have come through the middle, and we are the only club, from what I can remember, that's really played him on the left. Especially in the last, like, he, I'm pretty sure he wasn't playing that position in Dortmund. For the sake of the podcast, I'm going to move on, but I disagree. <laughs> 
uh, because yeah. otherwise we could be here all day. Well, no, 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 no. I No, no, no. But I'd, I'd love to hear your p- point as to why you disagree, because I think the issue is, is most of the time people just say, oh, but the numbers bear out on the left. And it's just not true. So like, I, I'd like to know why you think the, it works out it, on the left. When you say it's not true, it, it is true. There is the the stats that he is more effective on the left hand side. I understand your argument that for, his for tra- Arsenal, uh, yeah. Ex- but we're at Arsenal. We're an Arsenal podcast, so I'm yes. saying you know he has no, been no, no, more... no, 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 no. But we're not changing the system when we play him through the middle. I, I, th- I th- like we're not really changing the way that we play. I think it's a bit of a a red herring to say that Abamyang sits out on that left and does nothing. He has had games where he's essentially played left wing back. But in our most effective games, in the most games, games this season, in 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 games where I feel like he's been useful and effective, and we've played him to a a, a good a good level. For example, say that Fulham game, he's picking up that. Say if we if we're splitting the the, the the pitch into five channels, he's picking up the ball in the fourth channel and sort of running it inside, and and or the fifth channel running it into the fourth, and from the left, and, and you know. That's where he's 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 very effective. You watched him today. He had his best chance where Saka had some fantastic work. I agree with you. I think Saka, I would have preferred to start him on the left, but um, I said he'd get a muscle strain and I, I think he he has got some kind of muscle strain. It was, a, for me, a little bit reckless. I think it was his, it was his knee. Oh, okay. I think it was his knee. I think he like took a knock to the knee in a challenge okay. or something. I still think it was a bit reckless from Arteta to play him, but I understand. Um, you can't really help collisions. Um, but... I I do the numbers bear out that when he is deployed on the left in that system he works and it's just but the system isn't working but Alex. that's the thing this is what I'm saying so I I think this fixate this fixation on Abamyang being on the left and this is the pro- this is the root of all our problems is actually a red herring I'm suggesting that it doesn't matter whether he's on the left he, he when he he's at his best and has always been at his best for Arsenal, and I think actually, I don't know, but because I didn't watch Borussia Dortmund in 2014, but, you know, I, or whenever he was there, 2016-17, I, you know, I, 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 he he is effective in those positions, and we've seen him be effective in those positions. You're right, it is the system that isn't working. So I think it's a bit of a red herring and saying, you know, we've got to see him centrally. Today he was central, and, and you know, how much did he, how much service did he get? Nothing. So, you know, there's only so much he can do. There was moments where we were sat back in a low block after Pepe had gone off, and Aubameyang's being asked. You know, he's he's our he's our lone central player picking up the ball and with no runners in behind. And I feel sorry for him. Anyway, okay, that's the that's the yeah. lineup. I thought the first sort of half, um, we were doing okay up to the first sort of twenty minutes. Um, I felt again, I, as I said earlier, I think the the one v one situation was 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 sort of working quite well. It looked like a, quite a simple setup. Um, it felt quite symmetrical, quite um, um, engaging. Really, I, I, I liked I liked how it was going. Willian had a couple of nice bursts. Sabayas had a couple of nice bursts. It felt like everyone was in their sort of best positions, if you want to put it in quotes. Or Abamyang was certainly occupying those spaces. Sabayas was occupying the space. I was concerned to see. It felt like Xhaka and Sabayas were playing very laterally and opposite each other. I didn't feel like much of dropping and going much, but they were doing okay. It felt breathless um, that sort of first twenty minutes, and then they started to um, to suffocate us. And I think that's where we we um, fell off. I could hear Arteta shouting "quicker, quicker, quicker" a lot. And one thing that did frustrate me was seeing Leno um, consistently actually have the ball when the, you know they they finish an attack, 
and I'd see Leno really slow it down and he'd have the ball in his hand waiting for that. Just play it out. You know, if we're, if we're playing a game where we're, we're 1v1ing them, we're, we're catching them on the break, we know we're, they're going to press us. They had five, four, five, six players in our half and Leno's just holding onto the ball. Get the ball in behind. Try try a long ball, see what happens. I, just, I felt there was a lot of holding onto it. Um, and that's actually what I think Arteta, I could hear him constantly shouting quicker and go, go, go. Um, and, yeah, but and we I think don't play long ball football, Alex. No, I understand, but so it would have been quicker, quicker, quicker to roll it out to Gabriel. Well, yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but that wasn't my point. As in, I'm saying that Leno. No, no, no. I, I get that. That's your point. But you know, whatever. Move it quicker, essentially, Leno. And and I could hear Arteta's frustration, and I was frustrated. And actually, I think that's how they managed to sort of suffocate us at the end of the first half. Yeah. Uh, no, I would. I would totally agree with you. I think uh, it almost felt like. It just felt like a hangover from the international break, even though we didn't obviously have a lot of players that played uh, well available, obviously party being injured, you know, Elneny, coronavirus, uh, Saka, you know, played, uh, Aubameyang played. But other than that, I mean, maybe Jack, did Xhaka play? I mean, I don't really give a shit about Xhaka anymore. If like, as soon as party and Elneny's back, if Xhaka ever ever ends up in another Arsenal midfield, Mikel needs to be taken behind the stables and shot. <laughs> because this is like, I've literally, I've I watched Jacka get bodied, get outpassed by people who, who, who played their entire career, like it, abysmal, abysmal. Like there was a moment where he went to turn, but didn't control the ball well enough. Didn't, I don't. I don't even think he can control the ball. The ball just slips away from him. Somebody else takes it, passes it through to Leeds's like right winger, and you're and they're and they're they were like in for a chance. And I'm like, this man is a fucking liability and offers nothing anymore. Nothing. Nothing that we don't have elsewhere. I Out, like yeah. send him set 12, 12 million. Somebody tweeted me twelve million pounds to Levante. Get him gone. Buy someone else. I'm, I I I am I am past the Xhaka hype. It is done. I understand. I I think in those types of games, Xhaka is really not um, useful because we're we're under the cosh. He's not particularly technically excellent. He can lose the ball quickly. He needs time. He needs space. He needs ability to to control the tempo. Leeds were never going to give us that. I think if if Party or Elneny had been had been um, had been available, I think we would have played them. I don't think Xhaka would have played. I think it was a case of of necessity. Really, um, I agree. I think Xhaka is. Uh, there's a there's a there's a player in there, and this is why I always say I think he's going to go to a, a, a bigger club because I think actually at a bigger club his leadership and his um, his work rate and his um, in a slower league at a you know with a team that has more of the ball I think he can be really effective on the left side and dropping back into that left centre back, okay. especially in the modern game. But I think in a game like this where a team are pressing you and a team are coming at you. I think Xhaka is, yeah, next to useless. <laughs> like he was, he was kind of, um, kind of useless. I think the second half of that, the sort of the second half of the first half, you could really see the international minutes in in our legs. You could really see it in in Pepe, in in Alba. You could see it in. Oh yeah, of course, Pepe would have played. But well, I mean, in the se- he didn't play in the second half. Pepe, Pepe no, didn't I'm, play no, in the no, second half. No, I didn't say that. I said <laughs> in in the second half of the first half. Oh, okay, um, okay. So I said, yeah, in the second half of the first half, I think you could really see the international minutes. Um, and it kind of, yeah, it's it, um, fucking flies. Just annoyed by everything. Tierney, obviously. Um, 
Yeah, at Tierney as well. Yeah, I just, I just felt we were we were waiting for half time to come, um, and I think there was a stat that came up, and they had something like seventy five percent of the possession in the in the second half of the first half, um, and yeah, it was it was getting pretty dire. And and actually, as we headed in for the half time, I felt fairly optimistic. I don't know how you felt. As we headed into halftime, I felt I, I I don't want to kind of confuse my feelings for of how I feel about the game now with how I felt at kind of the half, which I think is quite a difficult thing to do um, for me anyway. Um, I I don't know if I'd say I was feeling optimistic. I was glad to get in, yeah, because I felt like getting in a, it it was starting to get a bit ropey. There were a few tired legs out there. They've been running their socks off, and it was getting to a point where you could see a mistake coming. Like Xhaka could fucking do what he does and lose the ball and then they're in and then they score and then you go in one nil down rather than at nil nil. So I was definitely glad to be in and felt, okay, we can start to maybe get a handle on this game and start to try and implement some changes. Uh, and I, I know we've got to talk about it, but I think that the, the thing that really fucked us up was the red. But for some, somehow we seemed better attacking wise after Pepe yeah. had gone how can you attack better with 10 men than you do with 11 and part of me thinks it's because we we then had to just take the op- we 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 then just had to almost take the opportunities that we got we 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 didn't have the time to just be like okay let's switch it to the left and let's keep it on the left and keep it it was like okay we're 10 men down we're sprinting mm. let's get a ball through and it became more free it it became more free yeah, the from our attacking increased. players, you know. Saka, who was meant to be playing out on that left hand side, was drifting way more centrally, and you've got Saka feeding Abamyang, Bellerin feeding Saka. You've got players having to to think on their feet and having to be creatively free, which is leading to us getting more opportunities. Which I think, unfortunately for me, is a damning assessment of what Arteta is currently doing with our attacking philosophy. When our players have lost a player and they are just having to be free and take yeah. what they are given, they are doing better than when we are implementing the philosophy that Arteta has given us. And I, don't, unfortunately, nowadays, I don't think that that's about players. I don't think that's about the squad. Because if you look at the forward-thinking players that we've got, you think Saka, Aubameyang, you think that Bellerin charging down. People can give him shit, but he put in a shift tonight and created one of our best opportunities. It is a damning assessment of what we are doing attacking wise at the moment that when our players are just having to be like, what the fuck can I do? We are somehow better than when we are trying to do what our manager is telling us to do. Yeah, I th- I think we'll discuss the actual incident in a, in, a, in a second. I think what happened after he went off was there was more space. Um, I agree. I think the intensity increased because we knew we had one less man. And also there was kind of a bit more of an initiative on the players of going well, we've lost the man, we've lost our structure, there's more creative freedom. And I think actually something that, that that struck me over the sense of the game was how we were winning our individual battles. Actually, all over the pitch, there was a lot of moments where I felt we got the better, whether it was a, a ball round, Tierney did really well, Saka was doing excellently, there were some great moments. Individually, we were we are better than Leeds, and that's a more structural point I'd love to get onto in a, in a second. But yeah, I, I I agree, mate. There's a there was an, it's an interesting thing to discuss what happened after Pepe went off. In terms of the incident itself, it's just stupid. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, I Arteta said after the game, he thinks it's unacceptable. He said Pepe let the team down, and actually, I 
completely agree. And I think some people will say that's a bit toxic. 100%. And, and some people might say, oh, Arteta shouldn't be saying that sort of stuff. But I, I'm going, do you know what? It's true. And I think I, I'm willing no, to be patient. But the thing patient. is, is he's, 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 he's willing, the thing, and again, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. He's not willing to admonish other players in the public eye for doing stupid shit but is willing to admonish certain players in the public eye for doing stupid shit like this. That was the, one of the softest red cards I've ever seen. There is the tiniest bit of movement. Pepe needs to be smarter and understand that obviously VAR, slow down, will make that look worse, so don't do stupid shit. But it's soft as fuck. He hits the floor like he's been shot. But that's, that's the annoying thing. No one came out and said, this was stupid from William. We will deal with it internally. It is it it's not on. They just said nothing. I I know that's but he'll come out after a game and criticize a player. I might be able to clickbait this because I think this is the most we've ever disagreed on a podcast, Brad. He did say that. He said he came out in the week and he said we've dealt with Willian internally and we won't be commenting on it anymore in the press conference. And he was asked about it repeatedly. Yes, but, but the, no, no, no. But the, what he said was we've dealt with it internally. We're not going to talk about it. What he did to Pepe was, it's it's he's let the team down. He's done this. He's done that. He's done that. This is what I'm saying. Like he will, he will kind of like minimalize res responsibility for actions for other players than he will for some. He's done it. We've we've watched him do it with this Willian situation. He's come out and said we've dealt with it internally. Why doesn't he come out for Pepe and say we'll deal with it internally? I don't want to talk about it. Because it's treating players differently and it will cause rifts in the dressing but room. But I do think there's a very big difference between someone, between attitude and um, incident. And an incident that William does was stupid. Arteta said as much. He said it was a, it was a, it, it went against club policy or, or whatever he said. But he just said we're dealing with it internally. He didn't admonish him in the same way. Um, he has been very forceful, I agree, about Guendouzi and Pepe. And this is the thing, mate. I think this, this feeds into a larger conversation about Pepe's attitude. I think Arteta's sick and tired of it. I, I don't think actually there is a difference in, in um, how he's treating them because these aren't, these aren't um, with, with Willian, this is an isolated incident. And I think with Pepe, there's a longer form series of, of, of problems. If you watch Pepe, on the pitch. I think this, this, yeah, as I said, this feeds into a, a, a longer conversation. If you watch Pepe on the pitch, he's defensive. He's, um, and I don't mean doing well defensively. I mean, he's literally defensive. I think it's fascinating to be able to listen to the, the, the coach and the players and their, um, their instructions. Cause I'm constantly hearing Nico Ale or that sort of stuff. And I see Pepe turn and sort of do a, a quite a juvenile, shrug of the shoulders quite a lot. I, I often see him laboring and languidly moving towards things. There's no, there's no, the fact that Unai Emery, Freddie Lundberg and Mikel Arteta have all had problems or, or seem to have not loved Pepe and, and kept him in the team despite of his clear talent and clear ability means there must be a problem here. There must be an attitude thing here. There's a separate, there's a separate conversation to be had, I agree, around he he has there is two incidents and one he's dealt with internally one he's dealt with um one he's dealt with in public i i think you could argue the toss over which is worse i think for, for me pepe's worse but maybe williams is worse depends on your context but i think this is a longer form thing where pepe is not doing the job this man has 50 plus appearances for arsenal and he's childish he's juvenile i don't think he's taking any responsibility for himself on on the pitch 
you watch the way he, you know, if we don't see a response from him after this, if we don't see a public apology or something like that, I start to question his attitude. And then I start to really understand why Arteta is going, actually, no, I am going to admonish you in public because if your attitude isn't right, in the same way he did with Guendouzi, incidents happened. They dealt with the Guendouzi incident when they went to Dubai last time, wherever it was, internally. It came out, but it was dealt with internally. He didn't admonish him. But if Guendouzi did something on the pitch, I can't remember actually what happened after the Neil Morpé incident. I'd be interested to see what he grabbed happened. Him grabbed no, him, no, he grabbed him by the throat. He grabbed him by the throat. No, no, what, what Arteta said after the, after oh. the incident. I can't remember what happened. I'd be interested to see what Arteta said with that. But I think with players he has more of a problem with, I think he is willing to, to out them in public and I, I don't blame him. For, I'm lose, I'd say I'm losing, I'm losing per patience. <laughs> Look, I... I uh... Here's again. Here's this is this episode is going to be called the one where we disagree. Um, but I don't. I can know we can clickbait it. We can clickbait I, it. I don't think I don't disagree with you in a certain sense, but I think it, it, it again context is key in these situations. If you're Nicola Pepe, one look the issues with Emery aren't born of anything other than Emery didn't want Pepe in the first place. Emery wanted Zahar, and. The Cronkies went and, you know, the absolute ultimate fraud, Raul Sanyehi, went under, you know, and behind his back and they, they got Pepe. So automatically you've got a situation where a manager doesn't want a player he's just been given. He isn't going to play him. But he's not he's not going to care. He didn't want the player. It's not like if we'd have signed Zahar, Zahar would have probably started every single game because he was a player that Emery wanted and wanted to get involved. I think Lundberg is a difficult situation because he was not in charge long enough to really get, one, a grasp over the players and how to play them and tactically. Two, he's not a manager. So he was just kind of caretaker to throw 11 players on the pitch and try and get the best out of what he could. He's not a tactical mastermind. He was a coach. Yes, he'd done well with the under-23s. This situation, I think we can see with Mikel Arteta. I, I agree with you. This is kind of the situation that we should judge Nicola Pepe from. I don't know whether he has a problem with his attitude behind the scenes, but what I've seen is a man who's never been given the opportunity to start four games consecutively in all competitions, who is our biggest chance creator and has constantly had to deal with being dropped for players who constantly underperform to have players who have constantly underperformed in front of him in the pecking order. That is going to piss you off if you want to play football. And also, if we want to talk about his output as a footballer, football often is about playing your best players and buying players in the right positions and playing them in their best positions. We are not playing Pepe to his strengths. Pepe is not a dribble past six guys, whip the cross in, get an assist. Pepe is a second striker kind of winger, that inverted winger that will come in and will be more creative and more successful in and around that penalty box. I sent you that video from a guy on YouTube called Statman Dave, I think. And he talks about the way to get the best out of Nicola Pepe is to get him in and around that box where he can dribble, take on a man or two and either get a shot off or get a pass off. Not have him 40 yards down the pitch and expecting him to do every single bit of ball progression. You're going to get frustrated. If you are put in a role that you are not good at and not designed for, and then you 
don't perform well in it. So you're then not being played. That's going to frustrate you as a person, let alone a player who just wants to play football and be successful. So I don't think it's fair to say that he's even had a fair run at developing into the player that he could be. He's been like, look, I'm also pissed off with his petulant behavior. But I think it's really difficult to say he has an attitude problem when I can I can see lots of scenarios that would piss me off if I was him. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I do. I do know what you mean, and I think there's there's a, I mean, all of these things are linked, and it's a massive kind of spider's web of a, pro- of a problem. Was he the person that the club wanted? Would Arteta have chosen him? Is he? Is he? Um, you know, is he is he in the best form? Are we put him in the best position. Does he have an attitude problem? Doesn't all of these things? Ultimately, we're in a position now where we've got a player and we're playing him, so he can either choose to just say, "Well, I'm I, I'm I'm not going to play that role," or he can and and decide to leave in January. But if he wants to be here, then he has to play the. He may be a square peg in a round hole, but he's 25. He's not 37. Like he can adapt and he can change and he can mold. He he's a, a languid, um, relaxed player. I understand, but he's not. But he's um, not doing the, the job that Arteta wants him to do. I don't think. You don't buy a Lamborghini to drive it like a Ford Fiesta. Do you know what I mean? You don't. I do understand. You if you're bu- if you're I, I, buying a certain mold of player, whether that's Arsenal above you or whether whatever, you cannot be surprised. Like if I buy a Ford Fiesta and try and thrash it at 180 miles an hour, I cannot be surprised when the suspension fails, the clutch falls out, and I die in a car crash. Because it's not built to do that. If you have a player that is built to do one thing, that has been doing one thing for his whole career and has been very successful doing that one thing in Liga, don't be surprised when he's not as good at doing something else. But at risk of sounding like a right-wing commentator online, he has to take some personal responsibility. He like he he has to go. I I, you know... He has to go, well, I'm in this position now. I'm on the pitch. I can do what the art manager is asking me to, to the best of my ability, or not. Or let's, or just don't be here. Like, that, But I think the thing is, is he is doing what he's being asked to do to the best I of his ability. I completely disagree. But the thing is, is all... He, I don't think he all is. He, no, but... The, okay, look, I, I, I also kind of disagree with myself. But <laughs> when all you're being asked to do, right, all you're being asked to do is to just... Pass it in, pass it over to the left. Pass it in, pass it over to the left. Pass it in, pass it over to the left. Like, I could do that. I could. Brad. If with acres, with acres of space, with no one, if somebody pass, if, if I'm in an Arsenal fucking football shirt and somebody passes it to me on the right wing and all I've, I've got to do is knock it back to the right centre mid, I'll, I'll maybe lose it, you know, five times out of ten, four times out of ten. But I'd still probably be successful five times out of ten because... He's just being asked to switch the play back into the middle, back over to the left. We can't be having a go at the man for not taking people on, for not get whipping in assists and not doing these things when we're not allowing him to do this. It's literally like if we live together and you did the washing up all the time, but never gave me the opportunity to do it and then got pissed off at me for not doing it. I can't do what I am not allowed to do. I probably would do that as well. So, um, The... <laughs> <laughs> the I I completely hear you, mate. I, I understand what you're saying, and I I think we we we're pull, we're pulling in the same direction. I just think go back, and I would encourage listeners to go back and watch 
say the first 25 to 30 minutes of that game, mm-hmm. exclusively watch Pepe. If you think he's working hard enough to press in a game against Leeds, where we're clearly going 1v1 and trying to press them in the way they're pressing us. Okay. If you think he's working hard enough, try have it with the with the crowd sound off. Listen to listen to Arteta. He is not working hard enough. And then... Fair enough. And, I, and then I go, okay, he's not working hard enough. A bit of a square peg in a round hole. He's a bit of a Lamborghini who's being asked to play as a Ford Fiesta. I sort of understand that. Then he does something really fucking stupid like this yeah he didn't need to do that he didn't need to 100 he didn't need to make that decision and and then i start to go well i'm losing patience here i won't make the joke again i'm losing patience it's fucking stupid i i totally understand that and i do understand that but we are also not we're giving other people um leeway when we're saying oh but you know they've had the international minutes so they're going to be tired you know there are people giving kt like a break saying, you know, he's just played three intense games for Scotland. You played great. Yeah. No, no, no. But as in like, there are people saying, isn't it amazing how he's just played three intense games for Scotland and is playing like this. And there are people saying like, I, like Xhaka, I will, I've seen people on my timeline go, oh yeah, Xhaka was a bit languid today, but you know, he's just played like, but this is what I mean. I'm, I'm about just having a level playing field. If we want to slag people off, let's slag people off from the same point. If we want to, like, this 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 has been my whole demeanour about Ozil as well. If we want to talk about him, let's talk about his statistics and just be honest. And if it's about style of play, it's about style of play or whatever. But there are certain people and there are, like you said earlier, people are looking tired because of the international break. Well, then... It's no wonder that he's not, quote unquote, running hard enough or working hard enough when he's up against the team that do not have a lot of international players in them. Let's let's chat second half then. So at the beginning, sort of Pepe, Pepe came off. Um, and I think from there, I, I agree, as we said earlier, there was a sort of a, a change in the stance. We obviously sat back and were breaking on the counter. Saka had some gorgeous moments. This is the thing. And this is why and I want to come on to system as the kind of last discussion about the yeah. game. So let's leave that for now. But. I think individually we were playing fantastically. Tierney was great. Bellerin was Bellerin was great. Gabriel was fantastic again. Saka excellent. Aubameyang in in moments did okay. William when he was on did okay. Reese Nelson looked looked decent too. Leeds had twenty five attempts to our nine. Uh, twenty two from open play. We had five. Uh, same amount of set pieces. They had uh, twenty five shots. And you just they were all over us. And I understand that we sat back because of the eleven men. Would have been interested to see what would happen if if Pepe wasn't there. Um, But I just sort of felt as that second half went on, and especially I think the last, one of the last things that happened was after Leno had his whole blood incident or whatever, he caught a ball and landed on it and we were clearly waiting for the draw. And I get that at 10 men, but it did annoy me. Um, The only other couple of things I, I, I noticed from the second half were... The corners, we're not beating the first man almost every time. No, um, we've not got a good delivery. Shaboshlai coming in might be an excellent... Um, yeah, Sh- Shaboshlai or just somebody who knows how to strike a football. For free kicks. I don't know if he takes corners, but I know for free kicks because we get yeah. we get a lot of free kicks, actually. If you watch our games, we get a lot of free kicks in really good positions. Yeah. And it's, um, with this, it's never really clear who the free kick taker is. It's Laka or Pepe or Alba or Ceballos sometimes or David Luiz or Xhaka or, you know, it's Saka sometimes. It's sort of whoever fancies it. And actually, no, you need a specialist Mm -hmm. who is going to be able to, you know, just do it over and over and over and over and over again. 
Um, it's like the thing is that's balmy is like half the shit we say is the first thing you do on like fucking FIFA or Football Manager. <laughs> you set your set piece takers. You set this. You do these things. Like I don't. This is the thing, right? I don't give a shit what the. Pl- I don't give a shit if Alba wins the penalty. I don't care. I don't care if Sabios wins the penalty. If our penalty taker is fucking David Louise, David Louise is taking every penalty hmm. because you don't allow players to get into the rhythm of things. Because they can take as many free kicks or penalties in training as they want, but the pressure of a game is different. And this is the issue. We need a free kick taker. Whether it's somebody in our squad or whether it's Shaboshlai or whether it's, you know, I've got, I texted you about a segment that we could do and I've got a few players that could be these people for us. Mm. But we need to start, there, there just needs to be a, a few changes. We'll leave it at that. The, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, the... I thought Leeds were fantastic. I mean, Leeds are, are so fit as a team. They're fantastically fit. Marco Bielsa, unreal. They're, they they pressed us, they controlled us. They're, they're just... They're, they're, they're the perfect example of like what I think if, if I was a manager, I'd love if I was coming up from the Premier League, uh, from uh, to the Premier League from the Championship. Just going... I think I've said this before on this podcast, but you, you can't... You can't sign Bernardo Silva's and Emmerich Laporte's and Sadio Mane's all the time if you're not a top club, right? And Virgil van Dijk's and Alisson's. You, you can't sign those players. But what you can do is have the fittest players working the hardest. That's what you can do. Every every team can aim to be the fittest and working hardest. Yeah. And Leeds do that. And they will get and they will do well this season. I thought they were fantastic. They they pressed us. It was a really, as I said, the first time. I sort of feel like this whole game was kind of, it started off, breathless then I wasn't breathing at all because they were all over us and then the second half was a bit more just a a a a relentless kind of leads just just getting our heartbeat up getting us going and and they they just kept coming it was like waves and it was they were really impressive at getting the ball back yeah I, I can't speak highly enough of them I think they're a fantastic team um the only things from an Arsenal perspective that I've got down on my notes are um so there was one point where it was interesting where I think it was the 86th minute and I just heard Arteta go, Reese mindset. And I like that. I like that because it, 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 it there is a slightly longer and we'll, and just before I, 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 I set you off on a structural conversation. Um, I think there's a, uh, it's nice that Arteta can slightly, slightly bring himself out at the moment um, and, and give those, give those moments to, to young players to, um, remind them of their development. I think I think a game like that is really good for Reese Nelson, mm-hmm. um, just to just to be in, in in the mix and also have a sort of learning moment of yes, I yeah okay, I'm I'm here. I'm gonna just ask you. You said before, just before we started recording that you're kind of done with Arteta. We haven't discussed him much. <sighs> um, I'll just give you this stat: Arsenal have kept six clean sheets in 15 away PL games under Mikel Arteta as many as in their previous 44 away Premier League fixtures. Yeah, look, my issue with Arteta is not, obviously not defensive. My issue with Arteta is vastly um, coming from what I thought was his stubbornness and now what I believe to be his arrogance. It's not working. Certain things are not working offensively. We seem to have sought out how to defend, how to press, But going forward, 
because it, the thing is, is it's not like we've got 80, it, it's not like we've got 20% possession versus 80% possession every game. We had our moments with Leeds. We had our moments with Villa. We we had almost like even shares of the ball in, in so many games that we've lost this season. Our issue is that we are, a, we're a blunt edged butter knife. Like this, and we are consistently doing the same things that are not working. And... I have no issue with how he sets us up defensively against Man City or against Liverpool or against United or against any of these top six clubs. I do not expect us to be setting up like that against Leeds or against Villa or against Brighton or against any of those teams because the players that we have, if we played a decent attacking system, man for man, would wipe them off the floor. He's made statements in the last week saying about how you know it hurts him when his players get to get to have to miss out because of the squad balance and this and that and because of foreign players we have a player who in 18 games since the start of last season is still our second most cre- creative player of of chance created overall but is our first most creative player of chances created per game at something like 3.4 yet we've left him out of the squad. This, obviously, I I personally believe it's an issue from above Arteta and he can do nothing about it. But if part, part of me thinks if we had a manager like Jose Mourinho, for example, and I, I never wanted, I never wanted Jose at this club, ever. I think he's a cancer that lasts two years and then rots out the rest. But it's notable where Spurs are. The we, but also the wheels will fall off this Tottenham bus. You're seeing it happen. They are like they are scraping lucky victories. Very like you look at you know they dominated United, but I think that's more of a damning assessment of United. But they were dominated by City, and they have been dominated in games that they have gotten two plucky chances and scored two goals. I, I just think that. If a Jose Mourinho comes in or S- Mikel Arteta, unfortunately, at the moment, seems to be um, an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the sense that he is a yes man. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's better than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer tactically, personally, and as, as, a, as a coach and as a manager. Of course, I 100% believe that and that is a hill I will die on. But he is a yes man. He has been brought in to be a yes man. And I think that it's no surprise that we are leaving out who is still our best creative player because of that. If we bring in Jose Mourinho as manager, Jose does not let this happen. He says, no, he is my best creative player. If I want to play him, I will fucking play him. And and you look at the handball incident. You look at that handball incident. I am. I was so annoyed that there was not more outrage about this from our manager. Mm. Like, you, go, I don't give a shit if you get sent off. You go over because I've seen, I've seen, that was his hands were in more of an un 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 kind of like motion like position unnatural. than the unnatural that's the word I'm looking for unnatural position than the penalty that was given against Joe Gomez than other penalties that I've seen given where a ball is kicked at somebody and they've got their arms by their side and it cannons off their arm yet there was there's it's it's weak it's weak and I I just I I. He's starting to get on my nerves and the arrogance is the thing that's starting to get on my nerves because you have to earn that level. I don't mind arrogant people if you're good. You have to be good to be arrogant. 
And I think that there is a level of arrogance to what he's doing at the moment in refusing to change a system that's meant we've not scored an open play goal in, what, seven, eight hours now? Something like 500 minutes, yeah. It's a good question from at Samba Centreback, who's asked us, after conceding 25 shots against Leeds and looking like Emery Arsenal, but without the goals, do you honestly still believe Arteta was a better choice than Ancelotti? Um, uh, yes, long term. I think that um, if we had done what we needed to do in the summer and gotten certain players out... Uh, and kind of thinned the squad and got... One thing we have to remember is it's no wonder we look like Unai Emery's team because we are Unai Emery's team. We've got three additions. We've got Gabriel, we've got Party, and we've got... Who? Sorry, who's the... Th- William. Gabriel, Party, and William. So it is no surprise we still look like that team. And I do believe that Arteta going forward can, has the potential to turn into a generational manager. But... Jack Wilshere once had the potential to be the world's best central midfielder. Doesn't mean it always works out. It's about choices and it's about certain things that happen to you in your career. And at the moment, Arteta, for me, is throwing away his best chance to almost prove how good he is by being so arrogant and sticking to this left overload system because it's just not working. We've seen it not work. We've seen it not work for the last eight hours of football that we're not carving out clear-cut chances. We're not carving out opportunities because we've got creative players. We've got Saka. We've, I mean, we can talk about Pepe, but we've, Pepe is currently our most creative player. Sabayos is not far behind him. We've got players who can pick those passes. We are just not playing in a way that allows those players to be creative and free. I understand. I, I, I think he actually did change the system a bit today, if only by personnel. Um, and I don't think we were as... By, left- by personnel and by formation. Yeah. I, by I personnel and by formation, yes. I didn't feel... Yeah, but, but you know, our kind of build-up was, was similar. And I understand. I understand. And I think the left side bias is, is actually just because our better players are on that side. I, I, I think a lot of it is just because we, you know, Saka, Aubameyang, Tierney are, are better than better and Pepe and whoever's on that side, Willock or Elneny or, or whatever's in, this, in the central midfield slot there or or whoever it is it's so hard mate i i think i think we're at a turning point with arteta i really think we are i think we've had a sort of um he came in he steadied the ship there was the non-negotiables chats there was the um encouraging signs towards the end of the lockdown we came back we struggled slightly but we finished the season okay we didn't get european football until we did after the fa cup and things were looking pretty pretty rosy um i think we did okay in the summer mm-hmm. i think there's a there's a conversation um the the article about the cronkies in in um the athletic this week has been fascinating and i'll do a very el- very quick tldr for anyone who hasn't read it but essentially it's it's saying that the cronkies are now looking to invest a bit more in us um haven't wanted to do things like refinancing the stadium debt until they were full ownership of the club which they only had since sort of late 2018 um, they're looking for the right time to invest. They didn't feel it was right with Emery, and now they are looking at you know, and they they financed the party deal. Um, I th- they brought Emery in. This is my issue with these articles. But, they are puff pieces. But hang on, hang on, hang on. No, <laughs> you no no not no. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make such a good clickbait article for this, bro. Uh, clickbait title for this. What they say in the interview, go and go and read it. It's essentially about the Cronkies have a really small group of people that they trust. 
and they trust or they trusted uh Vinay, um they trusted uh, uh Raul and they trust basically the play the, and and Ivan at the time as in, as in they have a very small whoever it is at the time whoever you want to talk about at the time so in 2018 it would have been Ivan and 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 Wenger and in terms of at club level they're not particularly interested in the coaches the players they don't really chat to them Stan Kroenke's still not met Arteta um, they've only met over FaceTime um the they have a small group of people and they've now got more boots on the ground in Tim Lewis. They're trying to get more involved. Um, they have, they're, they're taking more of an active interest. I understand they did appoint um, uh, Emery, but that was out of the Gazidis and, and Sanyehi trust. And they, they trusted those people and they brought those in. Now they, they're putting their trust into Edu and Vinay um, and they've got to deliver. They, they take a very, a quite a small, um, small team around them. And they're getting boots, um, boots on the ground, and Tim Lewis, and 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 th- things are moving around. Mm-hmm. I, as I say, I think we're at a really difficult point with Arteta. I think I'm on the trust him, give him time side. It's worrying. It's late to mid November, and we're eleventh in the league. Um, we've got some tricky-ish games coming up. We've got uh, who we've got. We've got Wolves. Um, every game, every game is a tricky game. Wolves and Spurs. Who, who um, do we look like beating? Yeah, we've got Chelsea in the league at the, in December coming up. We've got Everton. We've got Southampton. Are a good team. There's no, there's no easy games anymore, and this league is unbelievably comp- competitive. I am in the interest of looking, taking a slightly longer term view of it, as as the Cronkies appear to be, and I think Arteta is the right guy for our project at the moment. I think actually with the ambition that the Cronkies appear to have or, or want us to believe they have, and, and we'll see over the sort of next 18, 18 to 20, 24 months whether that comes out, Arteta may not be ready for that and we may need a bigger manager, but I hope Arteta matures as the job matures. Mm-hmm. I just think we all need to slightly lower the expectations um, again. <laughs> oh, um, I think I think that's that's not that's not a surprise, but for me, mate... I may not have read the article yet, and that's my bad on my part. I probably should have, but like it's a puff piece. It's it's they are being like if they if they finance the party deal, why didn't we let more players just go on a free in the summer and bring in more players? If there was money available, why didn't we do it in the best market to buy players there has been? It just it's there are too many contradictions and we've seen this throughout the history of Arsenal. We were told that we were moving to the Emirates to compete with Bayern Munich. Three years later, we were told that getting top four and just being in the Champions League was an achievement. You know, a few years later, we're told that, you know, getting sixth, but with an FA Cup, that's good for us. We are we are constantly being fed bullshit. It's bullshit. And, and, and I, will, I will call it bullshit until I see otherwise. I will call it bullshit. You know, they did back Emery. They bought Emery a lot of players and they have signed up to pay a lot for some of those players. Emery was backed more than Arteta, 100%. And look, this is definitely still Emery's squad. But I, I am so wary of the Cronkies because they are fantastic spin doctors. They are brilliant at it. And they did it with Alicia Usmanov to force him out of the club and got the whole fan base to turn on Usmanov. He's fucked off to Everton and is putting money in Everton and look at where Everton are. And look at what the Cronkies... The Cronkies, if they've invested in party, that is the first time they've invested in our club in five or six years. I mean, that's... In the time that we've 
dropped off. I mean, we don't know how things were financed in terms of the self-sustaining thing. I don't think that's true, but we don't know. Well, we know that there's been no cash. We know that there's been no cash injection from the Cronkies in about five or six years. Yeah, uh, this is the thing. Uh, as in, we can, we can, we can, we can hear it's that. It's a fact. But, but what? Well, but it's not. I mean, <laughs> we don't know the goings on at KSE. Do you know what I mean? Like, we can, we hear what we hear, what we hear. Well, no, no, no. But as in, like financial, financial, financial stuff has like it's it's not like what I'm trying to say is we don't know the the, the financial goings on at KSE. They're, they're running a self-sustaining model with Arsenal. And they they might have yeah, seen okay. they might Fair have enough. seen they might have seen it that we had enough cash up until that point. Who we don't know who was ultimately there to sanction those deals. Arsene Wenger has never been turned down for cash. Says says in the Athletic, you know. So I think all of these things, it's really difficult to to build a narrative because we don't know so much information. I think I, I again, I just think I think I think things like that. If it's easy to now say, oh yeah, Arsene Wenger was never turned down for cash, then why was he? not you know i i i gen i i i like it is but like a lot of it is bullshit a lot of it is bullshit yeah, and and even on the arsenal Meg was never, never turned down for cash then he's saying himself that he was cash straps with the emirates but then we don't know so listen you know we're we're fans making a podcast like you know there's only so much information we get and we can see that there, okay and and there there is already a lie in there there is already a kind of lie in there in saying oh we didn't want to refinance the stadium debt until we had full ownership they took over fully in 2018 they didn't refinance it until 2020 but again, counterpoint, and this is the thing, I'm, I'm only counterpointing their count, what they would say, is they're taking a longer form view of it. And maybe they thought they had the cash, they paid out for the Pepe thing. And again, I know they only paid 20, 20 million, but you know, it's, it's, this is the thing. There's so many conflicting pieces of information that you can't, it's so difficult to form a narrative. Ultimately, we can only look at what's going on on the pitch, what's ahead of us and what we're doing. We are clearly targeting the right players and we're clearly, we bought in party, we bought in Gabriel, who are two fantastic players. You know, we're trying, I think, generally. I just want to say, if it, if it, look, if it looks like you've stepped in dog shit and it smells like you've stepped in dog shit, you've probably stepped in dog shit. All right. Well, Brad, <laughs> do you want to fight or something? Yeah, I'm pissed <laughs> off. I'm pissed off, mate. Um... We should maybe maybe someone can can arrange us like a, a I, was, I was about to say a celebrity boxing match for fuck's sake we're not celebrities you know what I mean as in one of those kind of we're not celebrities at we all. can <laughs> maybe if you sign up to our Patreon we'll do it <laughs> maybe if you sign up to our Patreon at diffnock.com. <laughs> oh god oh, I didn't yeah. even ask you how, how how are you other than that Brad are you okay yeah I'm alright mate I'm fucking oh this this match has just put me in such a like an agitated mood. I feel like that podcast was just like a pure rant for an hour, but hopefully yeah. it's, hopefully some people can get some therapeutic uh, enjoyment out of it. Um, and there was hopefully, there. hopefully, hopefully listen, we're back on Thursday. We're playing, are we playing Mulder or rapid Vienna? I don't know. We're playing rapid Vienna. No, we're not. No, that's a lie. We're playing Mulder. Great. Uh, on Thursday. So we'll see you after that one. Um, hopefully a win. Hopefully a win, but who knows? Um, and we'll see. Wait, have to wait and see on Saka and wait and see on uh, fucking hell. whether Pepe comes out and says he wants to kill Arteta or something. Um, anyway, pleasure as always, even when we disagree, Brad. It, oh, I love to disagree with you, my friend. Always a pleasure. All right, mate. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Speak to you soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. If you want to support the show and get access to exclusive content, check us out on Patreon and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.